Welcome to Truanon, the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. Day one. Could you please get your name? Ghislaine Maxwell. Could you please, could you please? Ghislaine, Ghislaine Maxwell, Maxwell. Could you please get your name? Liz, you sounded awful cheery there. <laughs> I'm like leaning into it. I'm just going, you know what it is? You can't react against it. You got to push through it. Yeah, I've been trying to do that with the help of uh, just coffee after exploded Red Bull. After Oh, my God. Jesus I forgot Christ. About that. Yeah, animal crackers. I really appreciate you bringing me animal crackers. That was very sweet. Crackers. Um, speaking of Liz, though. Let's introduce ourselves. Oh, yeah. I'm Liz, like my, you just said. <laughs> my name is Brace. And, of course, we are joined, unfortunately, from the Prisoner's Galley, Young Chomsky, who is producing the episode and every episode. The podcast is called True and On. Yeah, you know it. You love it, baby. And we're here. Uh, and you might be like, how come these guys are tripping over their words and just sound like freaks and lunatics and all that kind of stuff? Well, it's because we're very sleepy. Yes, it is. But we're here. We're here. And we're here to talk to you about what we witnessed here, day one. Day one. Of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. Now, before we kind of like walk you guys through, we want to take you on a journey with us through this ride as we attend every day of the trial and are going to be reporting to you guys, I think... Pretty regularly, regularly, we'll say. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> We're yeah. unsure how it's going to ex- exactly go. You know, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting ride that we are all going to take together. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get into the details of kind of like what we saw, felt, smelt, dealt even mm-hmm. today, <laughs> let's push. Let's pull back. Like, yes. like, remember, I used to say that a lot. Let's pull back a little bit and just. Do a little recapulate. Can you walk us through, Brace? Who is Ghislaine Maxwell? Well, Ghislaine Maxwell, you know what? All right. So before we even get started on any of this, let's pull back even farther. What? Yes. I want to make something very clear here, and I am staking the true and on flag in this Mm. forever, by the way, through thick and thin. Ghislaine Maxwell is a Protestant woman like her mother who was Protestant and not Jewish. Want to be clear about that. Uh, who was, of course, the daughter of famous Israeli spy Robert Maxwell and the... Well, we heard a lot of terms for her relationship with Jeffrey Epstein today. Yeah, we did. Um, Before, I do want to just jump in really quick here and let listeners know that Brace said this to... We were in line this morning yeah. at like, I don't know what the fuck it was. It was like 6.15, 6.30 yeah, in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Freezing. Oh, my tooks. Oh, my God, my little toes. Yeah. I literally couldn't feel them when we were standing on the marble. Jeez. Oh, my God. Anyway, he was, like, just, like, <laughs> chest puffed out, like, to anyone who would listen, saying, Ghislaine Maxwell's not Jewish. She's not Jewish. <laughs> She's not Jewish. I'm sorry. I know. You, you know, show me I the documents. Julie K. Brown was a little confused by Show it. me the documents <laughs> of her being Jewish, because... I'm sorry. I do not think you should be talking about requesting Ma- Jewish documents. Uh, well, I should. I, she's not. I'm actually requesting Protestant documents. Uh, the Prot doc. The pro, a French Protestant too. She's which a is Huguenot. A rare. She's a Huguenot. The French Protestant, a, a true rare bird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they kicked a lot of them out. Okay. Think. Let's actually get to it. Yes. Okay. So, of course, Ghislaine Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein's co-conspirator, mm. right-hand woman. 
sometimes, well, so she wishes, girlfriend, mm. uh, and let's just say all around partner in crime. Yeah. Which is, I guess, also what co-conspirator means, who is now, after Jeffrey Epstein's untimely exit, his shuffle off this mortal coil, is to help tear her tell it, suffering for his crimes. Um, she got arrested last year on quite a few charges that uh, all basically amount to the same thing. So I'll, I'll, I'll list some of them off for you right now. So she got a uh, one is for enticement of a minor to engage in illegal sex acts, which is not something you want to be really accused of there. Another one is one count of transportation of a minor with intent to engage in illegal sex acts. One count of sex trafficking a minor. And then three counts of conspiracy, uh, which, of course, are related to the other, you know, acts sure. that I just mentioned. She's also charged with two counts of perjury, which I want to be clear here. For her, it can be illegal. But just as a general overall thing, like gambling, mm. I think, you know, case by case basis. Okay. You can perjure. Well, I perjure. I don't think we should say that. Well, she shouldn't perjure. But that, those two perjury counts are being split off and those will be a separate trial or like Liz and I think probably she'll take a deal on yeah. this. Um, but uh, yes, today was her day in court. Very much a delayed trial. This was supposed mm. to start, I believe, in the summer. Yeah. And she was in fact charged in the summer of 2020. So mm. it's been quite a long time. But with COVID and of course her expert team. Yeah. Uh, we're finally, things have finally come to a head now today. In November. Yeah. And now we've been, you know, covering the Jeffrey Epstein case uh, since we started this podcast. Mm -hmm. Some of you joined us later in the game. You might be like, oh, damn, I thought you like just talked about like everyone Bitcoin. coming together and handling COVID like in this really nice way. And that was so nice. And or, oh, I thought you talked about like the Great Reset or um, the dog fucking case from San Francisco. Wrong, bitch. Mm -hmm. This yeah. is Epstein Podcast. This is our shit. But breaking news. I want to interrupt Liz here. We're actually stopping our coverage today because we're flying out to Chicago to cover the Jussie Smollett trial as the first unabashedly pro-Jussie journalists, because we're journalists for Jussie. We're coming out swinging for our guy. Journalists for Jesse is so good. You know, we should just start That's our that working group of the New and York just Times. watch all the like any like self ID'd uh, journalists just kind of like walk back like it's yeah, like, like the Homer Whoa. Simpson. Gift. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I hand up my business card. Uh, I do not know this. Yeah, I actually really want to turn that into a viral movement. So we are going to take you with us on a little um, four dimensional journey. Yes. Uh, Through space gonna, and time. Because there's no... All right. So to clear some things up, I've seen, like we mentioned in the last episode, there's been a lot of sort of viral posts of... My dad texted me that. What? Last night, I get a text from my dad mm -hmm. that says, is this true? And it's a tweet that says, no journalists will be allowed to cover the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. Yeah. And I was like, dad... You're falling for the fake news, Dad. It's not true. It's fully fake, fake news. news. It's, it's fully fake news. fake news. There's fake news everywhere. Yes. And you are... So I will say, I was a little bit worried that there would be... That it would be a little difficult to get in. Mm. And so we got there... Yes. Bright and early yes. this morning. Brace and I got dinner last night. Mm -hmm. That was very nice. Mm -hmm. I love a Big Mac. And... <laughs> 
<laughs> then we split off, uh-huh. reconvened in the AM. Yes. I woke up at, I think, like 5.15. Uh-huh. Quick little shower. You know, I got a freshen. Of course. You uh, woke up at 5.15, baby? Yeah. Here's something wrong with you. I like to, like, no, because I set the alarm for 5.15, and then I'm like, uh, and then I turn on the TV or, like, you know, yeah. put on something to, like, get my mind moving. Yeah. Then I, like, jump in the shower. You know, whatever. I've got my moment. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like to, like, you know fuss around i like scrolled on the internet yeah then i got a text from you anyway we walk down to the courthouse yes get there 6 30 mm-hmm. it's pitch black out by the way mm-hmm. which is very disorienting gotham style uh freezing there's a huge line yes already about, a big line already a big line i talked to someone they got there at 4 a.m really yeah oh you didn't tell me that well i found out later in the day and i okay. don't know what you were doing okay yeah yeah, yeah. So they got there at 4 a.m. We proceed to stand there. We were maybe like 30th in line. Yes, although I will say this, and I shouldn't complain too much about it in case we try to do this later in the trial, mm. although I don't think it'll be as big a problem. Okay. A lot of cutters in that line. Oh. A lot of people a lot stay of, in that oh, line. Oh, thanks for, oh, it's so good to see you. Oh, oh you work at Forbes for, too? Oh, you can come oh. cut in line with me. Oh, my God. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, there was definitely, you know what else I saw a lot uh-huh. of? Um, pr- handy, you know what? You're going to like this one, Young Chomsky. Handy producers, haggard, tired, freezing, Is this holding so? line for the talent that was coming up. Is Fresh, blow so? dry. Is this so? Yes. I totally missed this as I oh, basically yeah. was unaware of what was happening until about 11 a.m. this morning. Yeah, you were very tired. Oh, there was something wrong. Yeah, I went to bed at 3. Oh, I, went I know, to bed you were talking early, to I can't Julie K. Brown about whether or not Gilling was Jewish. It was like a whole thing. Oh, she was not. She's not <laughs> Jewish. I'm sorry. Anyway, I won't apologize for the truth. The media spectacle outside the courthouse was pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Um. The sheer amount of British and European tabloid <laughs> reporters. My God, I will say, it felt like every single person, even th- every single person was friendly, British. Friendly older gentleman we were standing next to in line, mm. too. New York accent or, you know, yeah, Brooklyn. Oh, maybe, the German guy? The, he's not German. Oh, he's not? He just worked for the Germans. That's what they always say. Exactly. Well, yes. Um, but yeah, <laughs> even that guy who I'm like, well, this man must work for a... a national television station in america or a local one you know a a, by national i mean american no works for the germans yeah um yeah a lot of lot of euros there yeah but we stood in line for i would say three hours yeah three hours Uh and then we stood in another line for another hour basically yes um there's also been a lot of fake news about this so we should be clear you like federal court does not allow any recording or any kind of electronic devices. Yes. Pool reporters. So yeah. reporters that strictly cover like SDNY in this instance, I, I guess are allowed to bring cell phones in. Yes. Because there are like, there's a very small amount of people who are able to like basically live tweet it. Yes. Everybody else, they're very strict. They, tr- they, took, they took one of my jewels. Mm. Did but, they really? Yeah, but baby doll. You oh, think you I got a whole pack in there. Here's yeah. the thing that you do. You always put it on your person. Here's the thing that you do with something like that. I love that is phrase, you on bring your person. Two. <laughs> you bring two. And so they catch you with one, and then they don't look at the other one. Like, oh, yeah. You don't think to look else. for the second. And so you're like, what oh, kind of psycho would have two on them? Exactly. A brilliant yes. one. I brought three. A psychopath. 
Uh, so I was, of course, able to bring it in. But no, they confiscate everyone's electronics, and they give you a nice little metal tag. Yeah. Um, the actual getting into court itself, the actual courtroom, was because of co- both COVID protocols and just limited space in general. Everyone, all the journalists there were like, no one was even trying to get it. Yeah, it I was think like, that oh. maybe like three or four, maybe five um, credentialed members of the press were able to get into the actual courtroom. Everything else was put into what are they call overflow rooms, which yes. are basically like unused courtrooms. But the kind of courtroom, I was looking around at it, and it looks like as if there was like a family courtroom in a Hilton yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it looks like a, an event space almost. It, it had kind of the illusion of being, like, nice, but it wasn't. Also, I've No, I it had Wayfair written all they over They left it. a lot. Yeah, I know. So is the whole case. But they left a lot. They actually left a lot of court documents on the floor, which. Yeah, it was, like, very weird. I, I don't read know. a Did little bit Did you notice of... the carpet, too? No. The carpet is, like, um, all, like, uh like star print like yeah. circle star print america it was like but it, it looks very 80s it's like if the portland airport were like extremely patriotic for well, one day or uh, thankfully never flown into portland well then you don't know what i'm never talking do about that never do that our alternative listeners do but uh yeah so our overflow room was actually smaller than the other ones um, yes there was because of covid there was only like 17 people allowed in this thing and it's a pretty big courtroom and too. i'm like for real? Yes. And so <laughs> we we were in there with a handful of like other jur- – well, mm. not other. I want to say other because we're not journalists. But a handful of journalists from like sort of mainstream websites. Yes. Um, we shan't name names. We won't name names. We don't want – you know, you don't want to be a target with your association with us because yeah. I did give these guys all a couple, you know, key bumps. <laughs> um, but then also from Veteran Liberty News and then a guy who fell asleep and was snoring – quite loudly i feel like he was the boyfriend of the girl reporter that if that lady that woman was dressed crazy she was in cozy clothes i mean it wasn't my taste of cozy cozy of clothes but yeah no she was in sweatpants yes there was a there was this federal court let's you know pull it together uh, yeah exactly and then uh well actually one of epstein's uh victims was there yes Uh, she was yeah and uh which i talked to was quite nice talked to her for a little while yes um, but I gotta say, so as we've covered on the show before, basically what has happened so far in court, or most of what has happened is they have been winnowing down the jury. Whittling. Winnowing and whittling. It, you winnow and you, you can both, you can do both. You can winnow and whittle. <laughs> I'm sticking to this. I'm right. I know. I just really like hearing you say it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> they have been, they have been slowly cutting down this jury. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and now I think today there was about fifty people left, yes. or there were supposed to be fifty people left. However, someone just straight up didn't show. <laughs> well, no, they forgot to show. So while well, we were in line to get in, uh, in fact, we were in the second of the lines that we were in. So actually, within the courthouse, uh, you know, waiting to go through security. Uh, the guards rushed up a couple of people who were quite late because it had already started before ninety nine. Yeah, it basically started right at eight forty five, I believe. I think right at nine, but by that point, literally maybe fifteen people were actually yeah. in there, and so they rushed these two people who were late to get in. But then the fiftieth man forgot to show up, or woman, but I'm assuming it's a guy, forgot to show up, and it's unclear if he ever actually did. 
I mean, maybe you just decided you didn't want to. Yes. <laughs> well, this caused quite a delay. And in fact... Oh, my God. It was so annoying. No, dude. I mean, this seems like a million years ago by now. But I will say the majority of the morning and well into the afternoon was taken up over whether Judge Allison Nathan could get the phone number and get in contact with one of the jurors' workplaces so that she could arrange... Uh, some sort of financial thing for yeah, them. Yeah, basically, work. the alternate, because this guy didn't show up, they had to pull in an alternate. And then the alternate was like, I'm going to claim financial hardship. And she was like, What's up with that? And he's like, I only get two weeks paid. And she's like, So then at one point, either someone, I can't remember if it was someone from the prosecution or the defense, but they raised their hand and they're like, uh, You know, Lady Justice, Lady Justice, actually. Sometimes if it's a large company, you can appeal to their yes. HR department. So then I swear, I swear to God, this is what happened for two hours. We're hearing back and forth, Alice, Judge Allison Nathan being like, okay, HR has 10 minutes to call me back <laughs> to let me know if this guy, yes. and if he can't, do we want another juror? And then both sides arguing back and forth about yes. whether or not someone was acceptable. Bobby was not happy. I that. almost blew my brains out. Yes. I actually, I said I was going to blow my brains out. Yeah, and then, then we hushed shushed. you and yeah, said, yeah, don't shushed. say that. This is federal court. I did, I did keep, unfortunately, saying stuff like that. But yeah. also, we need to work on the I quickly, indoor voice. quickly made friends with that security guard in our courtroom. Oh. And so we were, yeah. he was, he had, yeah, he was great. Um, I just had my mask off and was fucking s- s- blasting jewel the entire time. Yeah, we know um, how you I do. shouldn't brag about that, though, because I don't want to jinx myself in the future. And you will. So I will. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yes. let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to the good stuff. Okay. So I will say like the, the majority of the beginning part of the day was taken up by that. However, we eventually got all of that sorted out and then to the opening remarks, not of course, before a, actually, no, you had a little sojourn when you actually met some people that we've talked about or not met, but you were in close proximity to uh, a couple of people we've talked about on the show before, some Maxwell siblings. Yeah, so Brace was taking a nap, and I and he was like, baby, get me a coffee. And then he mm-hmm. proceeded to drink my coffee, which was weird. Anyway. I was milking it. It made my stomach hurt. So meanwhile, I went. I made friends with some people, naturally. And we went downstairs to the cafeteria, which is actually called Cafe Lorenzo. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you a little fun thing that happened down at Cafe Lorenzo. Okay. I, I'm going to see my song I made up about it afterwards. Too. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I'm looking at the salad options. Terrible. Mm-hmm. I split the last Caesar salad with the gal. And to my left, who do I see? But Isabel Maxwell herself. White beret. Mm-hmm. Crow-like face, yes, hunched over, Oof. with Ian. It's so wonderful that these siblings can all reunite here. Yeah, they're York having City. a little Thanksgiving meal together. They were laughing and and chuckling along, so they were having a grand old time down at Cafe Lorenzo. I gotta say, it's interesting that only these two siblings have sort of decided to show out and give their support mm. for her. But Isabel's been a pretty constant fixture at these proceedings. Yeah, so she has. And of course, Ian is ride or die for Ghislaine. Yeah. Which is interesting, because he sort of seems like the, the dummy of the family. Now, before we get into the opening statements, which is what we heard today, mm-hmm. which was very exciting, let's talk about her, Ghislaine. Yes. Ivory sweater. I know that's what everyone's thinking. What is she wearing? Ivory sweater. Ivory sweater. Not flat. Kind of a balloon sleeve. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. What did I write in my notes that she had? They're not nice. I read them over your shoulder. Yeah. Sassy Bob, not a Hirschberger, but 90s nonetheless. Okay, that's Sanskrit to me. Yeah, well, my lady my lady fans will know what, what I'm saying there. Um, no, she did not. Now, you know, we're looking at it on a video screen. Mm. But I got to say, what th- what that gives us is a much better advantage for actually seeing her. Yeah. Um, and she was having a decent time. She did not look phased whatsoever. No, no. She was pretty active during most of it, taking notes. Um, there was one part during the opening. There was one sort of segment uh, during the uh, during the prosecution's uh, little speech there, where she was she was as far as I could tell from my vantage point, uh, because you know obviously it's not zoomed in on her face or anything. Mm. But she was she had stopped taking notes and sort of moved her chair back and was just staring at the uh, at the at the lawyer speaking. Yeah, and so which was not and did not seem like she was emanating you know joy in that moment. But overall, I will say seemed in high spirits. Yeah. So let's talk about the opening statement. So we come up from Cafe Lorenzo. Brace wakes up from his nap. Alice and Nathan, uh, you know, welcomes the jury back in the room. And the uh, assistant U.S. attorney, uh, Pomerantz is her last name, mm-hmm. uh, gets up and she gives the kind of opening remarks for the prosecution. The thing that you see in the movies, you know, or the TV shows. Now, it's interesting because later on, uh, Maureen Comey was the one who was questioning the first witness. And I assume is kind of handling the brunt of the case. Mm-hmm. That she did not do the opening remarks. No, and I gotta say, so prior to this, the uh, Judge Allison Nathan had actually asked both the prosecution and defense how long their their remarks would be, like the you know the opening statement for both sides would be. Yeah. And the prosecution said about twenty five minutes, and Bobby gave a very like, well, maybe around an hour. Oh. Turned out to be a little. I got longer a lot to say that. about Bobby. Yes, um, and it was. I got to say, well, we'll deal with the prosecution first, but it was, I thought it was okay. I think it went better than you did. Yeah. Okay. So I want to paint a little picture. This is kind of coverage you don't get from other outlets. Um, Pomerantz is, I would say a young, she's a young woman. Yeah. Yeah. Her voice is very um, young sounding. Yes. And I would say that she seemed a bit nervous. Mm-hmm. It's a huge case, understandable. And she kind of maybe hit her stride, I'd say maybe three quarters of the way through. She yes. started to feel a bit more confident. But I do not think that it was very strong. No, I, I, she, yeah. I, agree. I, I agree. It wasn't very strong. Now, she opens and she starts talking. She says, you know, um, I'm going to tell you a story about a girl named Jane. Um, who's actually victim number one in the case. And she says that Jane was approached, um, you know, by a man and a woman at a fine arts camp, summer Mm -hmm. camp. And then, you know, was proceeded to like be approached by them to do like to hang out and befriended by them. And then as the kind of relationship developed, was asked to come visit them in Florida, was asked to, you know, whatever. It becomes very clear that she's telling the story of Epstein and Maxwell and victim number one, Jane. 
Yes. And she, she opens up in this sort of like, I, I feel like very law and ordery way. Like, I want to tell you a story about a young girl named Jane. Yes. Um, which is not Jane's actual name. Um, but like she's going by yeah, Jane. She's Doe. going by Jane. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and this is this is actually a story I believe we've heard before. Either that or just the same. I mean, Epstein was this was kind of his mo for a while, but this took place at Interlochen, mm-hmm, the summer um, camp, summer camp, but also school too. But it was a you know, art summer camp as well. Uh, and you know, she describes, and uh, she really focuses, I feel like, on victim number one for most of her opening statement, or at least that's really like where it really shines the strongest. Mm-hmm. Um, but she essentially describes Maxwell and Epstein grooming this girl and then taking advantage of her sexually and transporting her across state lines. Yeah. I want to say that, like, I, yeah, I was not feeling this. I said, I wrote in my notes, more actors should be lawyers because this lady is nothing like the ones on TV. She sucks. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I think that's most lawyers speak in it. It was a very haltingly, like, it was. Sounds like a child. It was. Aggressive I, honor student vibe. I, I, I felt like it was very haltingly read and it could have been done better. But yeah. also, I feel like she used a lot stronger language than I thought they were going to use. She did. You know, she directly accused Maxwell of molesting these girls several yes. times and of leading. Like, she didn't, she didn't, she really cut to the chase much more than Bobby did. Absolutely. Whether that is better lawyering, I don't really know. Yeah. But she she was pretty concise about she it. She also really and I, you know, I took notice of this um in my notes. She she really uh hammered in the class dynamics where she yes. really said, you know, they were preying on poor poor girls. They were these wealthy, you know, they had so much access and they were promising um you know, Epstein was like, I'm going to be your quote unquote mentor. I'm going to pay for your schools. I'm going to help you get jobs. I'm going to introduce you to all of these people and really kind of preying on the, uh, you know, absurd sort of uh, class dynamics at work in this case. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she, so I want to be clear here too, is that like most of these charges revolve around basically Ghislaine for lack of a better word. And I think the prosecution's aware of that too, grooming these girls in order to sort of present them for, to Jeffrey Epstein for sex. Yeah. Um, and that is, that is really the thrust, I think, of the case here, is like how much did she essentially, uh, did she, did she, was she the one that made this happen, right? Which is also like, that's not a legal thing. <laughs> like grooming is really like a term that we use in conversation that is kind of, especially over the past like five, 10 years has kind of entered the popular lexicon, but is not like, there's not like a strict definition of that. Yes. And so it becomes a kind of like thing that is very much going to be, you know, the site of contestation between the two, you know? Yeah, 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 exactly. Like what that actually constitutes and what that means. Judging by a lot of the filings, especially the ones revolving around like what the use of like expert witnesses, that's actually I think going to be a pretty pivotal part of this. Not to be alliterative there, but I think that the there we're going to hear a lot of 
Two things I predict. A lot of arguments about the definition of grooming and whether that is even a thing. Yeah. You know? Who's to say what grooming is? Mm. I guarantee we're going to hear something along those lines. And also a lot of quibbling about the age of consent, which I'll get to. This is going to be one of – this is going to make a Libertarian Party convention mm. – Look like, uh, you know, sex night at the old folks home. There's yeah. gonna be so much talk about age of consent here. Yeah, so very Reddit. Bobby, you, Bobby is chomping at the bit to talk. About. Okay, so uh, I will say one thing. So I both I noticed both kind of rhythms in in both the opening statements here and in the prosecutions. This was really uh, apparent is that they were they would describe these sort of sex acts that are like uh, Jeffrey Epstein sort of like. Uh, dep- you know, his his degrading these women and, mm-hmm. or these girls rather, and is you know molesting them and stuff, and then lay out how Ghislaine facilitated that. Yes, and so that was something they would do. They would bring it to Epstein, talk about what he did, and then talk about how Ghislaine played a role in that. Yes, and I think that kind of lays out how the case will be, and then they sort of laid out the evidence that they're going to bring in there too. Um, they mentioned, I think, specifically massage tables schoolgirl outfit and nude photos but also flight logs fedex records uh gift receipts sent uh and a bunch of different records uh of galena maxwell's travels outside of the travel log too i know there was also talk about trying to get galena's little black book admitted to this Mm. not exactly sure how that's going to happen um i know there was a bunch of quibbling over whether epstein's black book could be could be admitted Mm, to this either um, but, uh, yeah. And they, they talked about people we're going to hear from, from victims, from relatives of victims. And then she sort of said with a kind of a pregnant pause, mm. uh, she, after she mentioned that he has private planes also had private pilots, which wait, we, you know, God, you we, just can't stop alliterating. I'm really, I, I'm telling you with right the pregnant now, pause, Liz, I'm looking at you right now, but I don't see you. I see a shadow person and the shadow person oh. is opening its maw and, and, and luring me with its horrible forked That's rolled so tongue. Mean. I don't, but it's not you. I'm just hallucinating because of lack of sleep and, you know, overusage of amphetamines. But now let's talk about, I know you're chomping in the bit to talk about it. Oh my God. Let's so, talk about Bobby. Now, astute listeners mm-hmm. will remember that we have mentioned Ghislaine's attorney, Bobby with an I, Bobby Sternheim on the podcast before. Now, we have been in the past very impressed. We've been like, oh, Bobby, you know, Bobby with an eye. This is, you know, she's, I had this vision, this 90s Bobby Brown, you know, Upper West Side, New Yorker, lawyer, mm-hmm. criminal defense. Let me tell you, dear listeners, did not disappoint. She was a powerhouse. My God, I this woman it. I is a star. It. It was fucked. It actually, it made me not feel good about this. I wrote down Cruella Cochran because this woman, now we got to paint a little picture here. And in fact, I did draw a very, I think a very realistic uh, court sketch that we will probably take a photo of and put on Twitter. Yeah, I drew, I drew, we we both did our little sketches. (laughs) We've got parentheses brace version and parentheses Liz version. Well, mine's technically anime version, but yeah. (laughs) Um, So... This woman, first of all, she is like just a presence. Yeah. It is very much uh, like when I was saying, oh, this is, you know, what I said about the prosecution, like she was kind of meek and seemed nervous and, you know, a bit younger. 
This woman is like the kind of caricature, like cartoon version of a defense lawyer. Absolutely. She she literally seemed like something you'd see out of a goddamn, yeah. a goddamn family guy. Yeah. I said she looked like <laughs> Foghorn Leghorn in a wig. Yeah. Yeah. Like she yeah. had that vibe where she was just like up there. And I mean, I'm serious. She, I swear to God, this is how she opens it up. You guys, she says, ever since Eve tempted Adam... Women have been blamed for it, the crimes of men, and literally, there were everyone in the in the in the overflow room we we're in. Hush, they're like, yeah. oh. and then I will she say right after that away. hush, everyone went, oh, yes, it was a groan. It a was an incredible groan. groan. It was like, oh, no. and it just kind of like kept going. She from did there. not let up. She she said, this is a trial about money. This is a trial about memory. This is a trial about manipulation. Think of the three M's. I mean, I'm telling you, Cruella Cochran, this is this woman. She had it going. She said at one point pretty early on, she's like, I'm proud to represent Ghislaine Maxwell, which yeah. I'm like, well, baby, you don't need to say that. Yeah, so it's a little, I mean, the lady yeah, does protest too much. Yeah, um, but she, uh, I think she even said, I stand before you proud to represent <laughs> Ghislaine Maxwell. <laughs> Um, that was, I say, I say, I say. She said, so she, I will say, she, her original, or not her original rather, but like the, the opening part of her, her uh, statement was really revolved around being like, Ghislaine is, is essentially taking the fall for these men yeah. here. She said at one point, she is not like the powerful men, the media moguls that you've read so much about, like sort of obviously making allusions to like Harvey Weinstein and people in that, of that ilk, uh, how she's not like them. I'm not entirely sure because she certainly seems to have been friends with most of them. Yeah. And, uh, certainly also is herself one of the most prolific lady pedophiles that I've ever heard of. Um, but she repeated the three M's. I mean, this is where I got the alliteration from. She came back to this refrain so often that it felt like a pop song. She would say memory, this trial is about memory, manipulation, and money. And so she starts talking about memory first. And she, the language she uses around this is she's talking about how these victims, and you can tell so-called is just like oh, yeah. right it's always at the back there. of her throat. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. These, their memories have been corrupted. Mm. Nar and narcissistic men, not necessarily talking about Epstein, but also about their lawyers, have manipulated them. Um, she said the word groomed very derisively at the, at the, in the very early stages too, which I was like, this is okay. The battle mm. is on with that. But I thought the thrust of a large part of her argument was that Ghislaine herself was a victim, mm. which that's a gambit. Yeah. I, it remains to be seen if that's where they're going to go with it. I think what, I think the most, I think the thing that resonated with me where I was like, oof, now there's an angle is she really she kind of pivoted at one point and because like we said this woman i mean she she did a look bobby's never going to do a type five this woman went on for like an hour and a half yeah 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 um, she was wearing a leather jacket smoking oh my god she pacing. had a big like glenn she's very glenn close they gave her a mic just like to <laughs> walk around with <laughs> Yeah, she was like playing with the cord too. Like, yeah, she kept saying, "Did I do that?" Yeah. <laughs> no, she kind of pivoted at one point, and she said, "Now remember, like, Gillane is not on trial for Epstein's crimes." Yes. 
And she said, Ghislaine is a scapegoat, at which point the uh, prosecution objected. Yes. Overruled. Um, then she said that um, Epstein's death had left a hole in the victim's pursuit of justice. Like basically saying that when Epstein died, all of this stuff fell apart and they had to kind of cobble it back together in a way. And basically implying that Ghislaine is now standing trial for what should have been Epstein's trial. Yes, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty interesting on that. Cause my, my thinking of that is that they were always, I always thought like SDNY or whoever was, you know, like SDNY was prosecuting him, but like, Ghislaine is like the person you want to flip on Epstein, yes. right? And now that Epstein can't be flipped, I feel like the, the, her team is being like, well, now I'm taking the brunt of his crime. Well, that was the big rumor, right? Yeah, yeah. The big rumor going around was that the state had a case on Epstein and that they were going to arrest Ghislaine to flip her. And then when Epstein died, that's why it took so long for them to put this together because they had to kind of reconfigure the case. Yes. And the thing is, so there was a few things where like Bobby, Bobby is uh, much like the snake in guard, the Garden of Eden. Mm. Bobby is a smooth <laughs> talker herself, because if you just listen to her and sort of like take it like, you know, like, oh, yeah, well, wow, I guess like she sounds so competent and so sure of herself. That's like, well, you're like, well, that, that has to be true. I mean, I obviously wasn't actually thinking this, but she speaks in that very persuasive manner. Um, but there was a few really big, speaking of holes, holes in what she was saying there. So one of her main arguments is that Ghislaine was manipulated by Jeffrey Epstein herself. So she's a victim of Epstein too. Yeah. Now, what she doesn't say there, what she doesn't elaborate on there, obviously very purposely, is what exactly did Epstein manipulate her into doing? Because if Epstein manipulated her into procuring young girls for him, well, too bad, honey. It's still illegal to sex traffic a child, yeah. you know, and it's still certainly illegal to molest a child. Mm. So it's like it that doesn't really matter there. That's clearly like she just laying that butter on that toast for the fucking jury to try to get them to like trick them essentially. Mm. Right. And like lump Ghislaine in with this or at least sow those seeds of doubt. Um and that was that was something that I was really like, oh, so everyone's just a victim victim of Epstein. Mm. And really, she kept saying that Epstein compartmentalized, but like, yeah, I thought that was very funny. She said that Epstein compart. She said this over and over again that Epstein compartmentalized, including with his relationship with Ghislaine. And I was like, okay, one, that is such an ex girlfriend thing to say about, yeah. you know, be like, oh my god, he was like compartmentalized everything. Yeah, like, and- I didn't even know he was fucking addicted to Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> He would never open up about these certain aspects with his mother or whatever it was. Uh, Two, it seems like what they're trying to do is say that Ghislaine had no access to all of these other aspects of his life. She was simply a house manager. She was his employee that actually this was this is a labor dispute, which I thought was very funny. Uh, that that she you know in all of her capacity yes they had a close relationship they you know dated then that you know they remained friends it's a little unclear everyone's kind of quibbling a little bit on how long the the relationship lasted relationship lasted and the nature of the relationship which is interesting but um so it seems like that's you know the kind of distancing that they're gonna also Mm -hmm. try oh absolutely yeah i will say that uh bobby kind of like the, the 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 big chunk of the defense opening statements was really 
going victim by victim um, and and kind of laying out where they were going to attack them. You mentioned the age of consent stuff. That's going to be a big issue. And in fact, there was a huge sidebar that we weren't privy to where mm. Allison Nathan was arguing with whether or not that could be admissible. Certain like mentions of, you know, if if it were if the the victims were of age or of not, because that is, like we said, going to be like the center of a big debate in the case, which is really fucking boring. I'm it's sorry. already started, though. Yeah. Um, but she did kind of lay out, you know, where they're going to attack them, kind of each victim, um, you know, kind of what the, the points they were going to make. Yeah. I mean, she started with, I think, victim one with Jane. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's funny because she, she, it's, it's the way that she talks about Epstein changes how she needs it to, right? Mm. Because on one hand, she will she will lavish praise on Epstein, be like, he was this great philanthropist. He was this excellent mentor. And like when he's, so he's like, talking about she didn't say intellectual titan, but she said something like that. I something, leaned over to you yeah. and I was like, dude, he would be like, what's up with what does this got to do with pussy? Exactly. Like, what are you talking well, about? That's another other thing with the car, compartmentalized and stuff. I'm like, dog. He was literally trying to talk about Marvin Minsky about eating pussy. And yeah. Stuff. Like. <laughs> He was not like, what was he compartmentalizing? He had Virginia What was Jeffrey there to compartmentalize? Rub, rub He's his, a one-track mind. There's exactly. no other tracks. He had his child sex slave give Matt Groening a foot rub. Like I believe they, they called it a foot job. No, it was a regular foot rub. Wait, what's the difference? Oh, okay. Yes, a regular foot rub. She says Sorry. nothing untoward <laughs> Um, But uh, I also wrote my note, Guy is snoring like crazy this part. because It was so loud. But she's like, she was basically, so, I mean, she was essentially saying that there's, you're like, okay, she wasn't even trying to attack the fact that Jane was molested by Epstein Mm. or even really bring Ghislaine into it. Yeah. But she was saying that like, well, Epstein was her mentor. She had her brothers around. She had her mother around. Like, you know, these things, like she was essentially saying that Epstein actually was helping her out and never really dealt with the actual you know, pedophilic aspects of it, which right. would stand out to me pretty, pretty big. Yeah. Um, she, and then she just goes on too. Uh, I, I was, I was out for a second there, but she talked at, at length about Annie. So she talked at length about Annie, who's victim number two. That's Annie Farmer, whose sister Maria we interviewed for the show. Yes. Um, she says that Annie at first did not believe she was a victim, even in how she kept her diary. She did not believe she was a victim and that, you know, it wasn't until later that she kind of changes her story. That's a big thing with, um, when, you know, she's attacking each of these victims, that's kind of the memory for the M point that they're always, and the money where she basically says once, the money enters the picture. Once the victims, this, you know, the accusers um, saw that there could be a payout through the victims fund, they changed their story. And now, you know, they have, now they're part of this case. Now, Annie, she says that Annie had only met Ghislaine once mm-hmm. and that Ghislaine really wasn't even involved in whatever Annie is uh, accusing her of. Yeah, that, so that's actually sort of the – she was very slippery with her language there when talking about Annie too because Annie does say that Ghislaine was involved in this. Well, then she says, from our perspective, what happened in New, in New Mexico was not illegal conduct. Exactly. And so when she does have to mention that Ghislaine did molest these children, 
she actually really, that's when she pulls in the age of consent stuff where it's like, you may not approve of it, mm. but it's not illegal. However, however, where any farmer lived, Arizona, the age of consent was 18 years old. She is taken to New Mexico where the age of consent, and yes, Bobby, you're right, and curious you've looked this up. The age of consent is 16. Um, oh my God, and I'm so, snoring like this guy right now. Oh I can't, this, the age of consent talk, I just don't care. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, it, it's going to play a big factor in the next victim it's we're so talking boring. about. It's so boring. It's so boring. But uh, so there, there, she got hit with a big objection at that. That's, uh, that's the point. Where yeah, yeah, at. yeah. Um, but uh, so then she skips over to victim number three. And this is where, this is the part. So I have been talking to Liz about this for a little while here. I really do not know why the prosecution included is this. including this victim yeah. in the case. Because this is by far the weakest point of the prosecution's case. This is alleging that uh, Ghislaine and Epstein you know, did the similar sort of things with this girl as they did with the other girls, except it took place in Britain. Yes, and then she's, they said that whatever took place in Britain was above the age of consent in the UK. Then she was brought to the US, but what happened, what she claims happened in the US, was above the age of consent in the United States. Yes. And from what we understand, that's true. It's possibly, I, I think it is true. I don't want to say that's 100%. what we were, we've been going over over the past couple of days, and it's very confusing. Yes, but it, 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 it is. I mean, this has been a big point even before this trial started, or the trial started, but before the actual opening today, is there's been a lot of back and forth or, or between the different sides and the judge about this. And I got to say, I don't think that her, she's really going to be included in all of this. Mm. In fact, it really does not look like she is. I think that judge actually was like, this doesn't really count. Um, because it's sort of unclear whether she was 17 or 18 when a lot of this happened. She was definitely 17 when it first occurred which in England is above the age of consent. And so it is, uh, it's, yeah. And the, the defense, I got to say, painted a, painted a tough picture because they're like, well, she stayed in touch with Epstein for 10 years, long past, you know, her yeah. 18th birthday, you know, literally 10 years after that. She wrote to Epstein when he was in jail. It's like, she basically paints it as one of Epstein's girlfriends. Now, I don't know the identity of this woman. No, and you know what she mentioned too Bobby mentioned is that she was in a relationship prior to to all of this with a prominent older British man who was Ghislaine's friend, like fr her mate at uni. I'm assuming Boris Johnson. Uh, um, it doesn't. She didn't say. I'm like name names, name names. Yes. Not a lot of names are being named. Not a lot of names are being named today. No. Well, certainly, Bobby's not going to name any names. No. Um, and then she gets on to minor victim four. Yes. And she's basically like, she's a drug addict. Ugh, it was awful hearing was this kind of stuff. The, 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 this one was really like despicable. Yeah. The way Bobby was talking about. There's a like, lot of blaming the victim. I mean, the like classic defense yes. blaming the victim move that like almost looks comical. Like you're watching law and order. Yeah. It felt it's very, real. very nineties. <laughs> Cause she was like, well, she was a drug addict when, and yes. then sort of the dot, dot, dot there is. Yeah, when she was being taken advantage of by this rich guy. And sex trafficked. Yes. Yes. So I'm sure she was on drugs. She was a victim of abuse that 
your client did. Yeah. Um, Just really disgusting stuff. Yes. So Bobby talked about how in when when this girl, who they call Carolyn, originally went to the FBI, spoke with the FBI in 07, Mm -hmm. uh, she talked only about Sarah Kellen and Jeffrey Epstein. Not mentioning Ghislaine. Yes. And and Bobby says here is that she only mentions Ghislaine now because of the Victims' Compensation Fund, which you talked about earlier. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, the victim comp- Victims' Compensation Fund is a fund of you know, like $150 million, maybe even more than that, administered by Epstein's estate, mm. which pays out money to victims of Jeffrey Epstein. Yes. Now, the big thing that Bobby really hammered on was that the way this fund worked is that if you made a compl- if you kind of made a complaint and you said okay i'm a victim these are the dates whatever there was no one there to ver she's saying she's alleging no one actually verified these claims yeah they were never like checked against anything it it was like basically if it hit a certain amount of criteria then different amounts were were handed out yes and so what she's saying is that Regardless of whether or not the uh, uh, what she would say is an alleged victim mm-hmm. uh, was paid out by the compensation fund, that none of those like accusations have been checked just by the by the fact mere fact that they've been paid out. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's not a seal on anything, and she's really throwing it out there that like now we are doing it, and this is what you're seeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, she was also saying she was accusing victim number three to the British one mm. of trying to get a visa by accusing Ghislaine Maxwell yes. of this sort of stuff. And all of them, all four, she was saying they are they are putting Maxwell on the spot in order to get more money. And she named the 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 amount of money that each of these girls got from the victims' compensation fund. Yes, and she really goes after the lawyers. Oh boy, does she? Not just the uh, lawyers for the government, which then you know that got. Now, uh, Allison Nathan's attention, and there was a whole kerfluffle about that. Yes, there was. There was a long. I think that was the longest sidebar. Yeah, where she basically. I'm assuming, but I think she was basically like, "Don't talk shit about the attorney. It's like be yeah, yeah, yeah. respectful, Bobby." And Bobby was like, "You know, I'm a. I say, I say, I say. Back where I'm from, when we, when we, I, we will never do that. <laughs> but specifically, she really was talking about the lawyers for these girls who were helping them get paid out by. Um, the compensation fund. Now, I got to say, we saw one of those lawyers today. We, we want to mention this? I'm not going to name names. Let's not name names. But I'm just going to give a vibe. The vibe was bad. Off it was guy. not a good vibe. You know, now, to be clear, he's not a lawyer involved in this case. No, he is not. No, he was there with his client, but I didn't like him. Yeah, at one point, he basically mentioned taking on a QAnon client who's been banned from social media yeah he was wearing some ostentatious designer clothes yeah my man was quite ostentatious it just was a not a it added to the cartoon vibe yeah he spent most of the day not like getting up and get sitting like he was out up and down out of his seat the entire time and schmoozing and you know i saw him i went up to the restroom on the seventh floor at one point and he was standing there talking to actually another victim who was there but who's not his client Mm -hmm. and he was talking to her about the you know major book deals that he had secured for someone affiliated with michael jackson now which i cannot even remember who it was but it was literally like he was talking about how he got like michael jackson's gardener a book deal and it's like, my man, he was like, it, it felt very personal injury lawyer. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it exactly. just was sort of, 
heavy to yeah. witness. Yeah, yeah. Now, I will say, I, that felt like when Bobby was talking about this, this felt like a lot of sort of, not to use too, you know, out there parlance, but a little bit of shade at Virginia Jeffrey. Oh, yes. Um, because a lot of this evidence that we have about Epstein, mm. Ghislaine and stuff comes from Virginia's civil case against Ghislaine Maxwell. Yeah. And I got to say... The stuff that appeared in that, including Ghislaine's own testimony, does not make her look good. No, not at all. And so I, I, know, I know that that Bobby is fighting tooth and nail to get basically any of that evidence out of Florida dismissed out yeah. of this case. And so I have a feeling that there was also sort of like she's trying to prejudice the – I don't know. I'm not trying to use legal terms here. But she's trying to prejudice the jury essentially against mm. these girls being like, you know, they're actually being taken advantage of by these rich men. Yeah. And so there was a lot of insinuations because in this day and age, you can't be like these are money-hungry whores, right? But that was the subtext to what a lot of Bobby was saying. So after they finished closing statements, there was a little bit of a break. And at this point, it was like, just let us go. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's so late already. No. Enter uh, prosecution witness number one. Call his ass to the bench. Larry Viskoski, the pilot. Lawrence. Well, Lawrence, but I've always known him as Larry. Yeah, he goes by Larry. The pole. The pole. Yes. Larry, who has a southern accent like... Every pilot yeah. for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are actually, because his his testimony was sort of cut off, I think he testified for about 35, maybe 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't get much, too far They didn't get it. too far. It was a lot of, you know, submitting a picture of Ghislaine and him going, yes, that's Ghislaine Maxwell. Yeah. But we are going to hear more from Larry tomorrow. And mm. there's no reason to really get into his testimony now. We'll present it all tomorrow once we see the kind of shape that it takes from the prosecution and then the cross-examination. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, we found out some kind of interesting tidbits during his, uh, his testimony, which we will bring out tomorrow with the rest of it. Yeah. Because right now, I got to say, ladies and gentlemen, it's 8 o'clock. Oh, my God. It, I, I'm going to cry. I have to go to bed. <laughs> I'm, I feel like I'm going to... But he's so sweepy. I, I'm not even sweepy. I've, I'm on a new... I'm on a new there's a new me in town, baby. Yeah. It's not good. New you. Yeah. But you know what? Tomorrow, the true crew. Mm-hmm. We're going to be there. Bright and early once again. Day two, baby. Yeah. So with that, I'm Liz. My name, of course, is Brace the Barrister Belden. We have with us Young Chomsky, my court-appointed producer. Well, we'll see you next time, which is tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.